Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 63 of the Because Why Not podcast. Thanks for being here. This is such a special one for me because today I mark and celebrate two years of sobriety, of removing alcohol from my life, of setting myself free and finding the beauty in life that I never dreamed existed in this way. So I thank you for listening. I encourage you to share it with someone you think it might benefit. And if you would take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever you listen, I'd be so grateful. Thanks and much love. Bye. Good morning. Well, it's morning here in North Carolina, and it's March 2nd, and today I celebrate two years sober, and this is such a milestone for so many reasons, but the first thing I wanted to do was record a podcast about this for you and with you and for myself and with myself Because in so many ways, this process for me of becoming a person who's sober and of um, becoming a coach and really becoming myself, most importantly, began two years ago when I started this podcast, um, 63 episodes. And two years ago, I started this podcast with the first episode called My Sober Curiosity. And it was about this, the beginning of this, when I decided to explore being sober, when I viewed it as something I was curious about. So here we are. It's two years later. I mean, I feel all the things, you know, I feel like I want to cry and laugh and scream and shout and stand on a rooftop and tell the world. Um, I'll try not to cry through this whole episode. It just feels so celebratory. And it's funny. My, my best friend, Courtney, who I've talked about a lot here in Denver, Ironically, she brought this up to me yesterday and said, isn't your sober birthday tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I think it is. It's the second or the third. Um, You know, I'd kind of forgotten what the actual date was, but I knew it was coming up and it was such a beautiful thing, you know, about her and about our friendship that she remembered the date. Um, But I also was just reminded in thinking about that and thinking about the date and something significant, this story just came to my mind, which um, she will appreciate and I hope you will too, that on the morning of my 16th birthday, we were at boarding school together, actually, even though we also grew up in Denver together, we were at boarding school together in Connecticut. And on my 16th birthday, um, I remember getting up and putting on my tights and my loafers and my little pleated skirt and us walking across campus to breakfast together. And I remember her saying to me, Um, don't you just want to stand on a table and shout to everyone, I'm 16 today. And 
that was how I felt, you know, like it was such a huge milestone to be 16, whatever that meant at that age. Oh my gosh, I'm grabbing a Kleenex, guys. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a doozy. I'm going to make it through. I'm going to keep breathing. Um, but that is how I felt in that moment. I'm 16, you know, whatever that meant. And I could tap into all those things right now, but I think any woman listening can kind of relate to that. It's such a transitional, important period in a young girl's life or a young woman's life. I mean, learning to drive and like all these things changing in your body and your heart, your mind, and just all of it. Um, I didn't stand on the table in the dining hall, but (laughs) I wanted to, um, mostly I just, you know, wanted attention from someone whose name I was just about to say, but I'll just not, um, there's still the 16 year old girl inside of me who doesn't need to share that, but you know, it was a significant day and a significant time in my life. So here I am. That was 1992. Okay. So here I am. It's March 2nd, 2021. So what is that? That was 29 years ago. Oh my gosh. Um, and this month I turned 45 and, um, I'm not crying about that. (laughs) I actually don't mind getting older because it keeps getting better. Um, you know, I don't, I don't feel any shame about my age because as you know, I've, I don't feel shame about anything I've, and I want to talk about that as it relates to sobriety. Um, the amazing thing for me is that I can tap into who that young girl was and I can feel that feeling in that place. And I can also feel in this moment, all the feelings I've had in the 29 years since then. And I can see and feel all the experiences that I've had, all the places I've gone, um, the joys, the heartbreaks, the struggles, the triumphs, um, the love, the loss, the relationships blooming, relationships ending, you know, relationships of all kinds. And really that brings me to my relationship with alcohol and my relationship with myself because my relationship with alcohol is really what we're talking about today, but it is so, so completely connected to my relationship with myself. And I was saying to Courtney last night, who's a constant source of inspiration for me, um, and strength for me in, in so many areas of my life. Um, and it's also this comforting feeling of speaking to someone who knew who you were at six years old and at 16 and 26 and 36 and now almost 45. Um, you know, but I was saying that the strange thing or the wonderful thing is that my relationship with myself began two years ago when I stopped drinking. And I know that can be really 
that may feel hard to understand for people who haven't sort of thought about things in this way, or maybe who haven't stopped drinking or who haven't made a big change or a big transition in their life in this way that sort of, um, well, not sort of, that changed everything. And, and as I describe it, like, you know, brought me back home to me, this is a process of bringing me back home to me. And if you've never experienced anything like that, you may be thinking, what do you mean your relationship with yourself started two years ago? You were 43, you know, or 42 turning 43. I already had beautiful children and a great relationship with them. I had a beautiful husband, which I still do, and marriage that I've worked, we have worked very hard at. Um, I had had a very successful event planning business for many, many years. All these things, right? These achievements in life. Um, I had great friends. Um, I had traveled a lot. I had a great, just, I guess reputation was what I was going to say. And I say that as it relates mostly to my business, which felt very important to me. I don't mean that I had a dodgy relationship personally or um, reputation personally, but I remember feeling like my reputation was very important to me in my business. And it really mattered actually in terms of getting new business and things like that do matter. But the great irony is that while I thought that I had a good relationship with myself um, and I had certainly already been doing, uh, you know, almost 14 years of therapy with the same person where the main focus was and remains self-care. And my self-care had uh, increased greatly over those 14 years and I understood it more and I took care of myself more and I was prioritizing myself more and I was evolving greatly um, there was still a relationship with myself that wasn't pure, uh, wasn't whole, I'll say. Um, I'm not sure that purity matters because we all are a little messy and dirty and that's okay. We're human. Um, but my relationship with myself was not whole. And the reason for that was that there was something clawing at me. Um, from the inside that had been clawing at me for years and years. And that was my relationship with alcohol. So, um, by the time I was 42, I would say it had been 15 years that I had a voice inside, which I now know to be my inner voice, the voice of truth, you know, my soul, my pilot light. I talk about it here a lot. Um, the voice that's always been with us, no matter where we've been, no matter how old we are, um, no matter what hats we've tried on, you know, um, our inner voice is the same. It's always been there with us. And she was saying to me for 15 years, there's more for you. You know, you don't have to do this. Um, like this. This isn't comfortable. This feels uncomfortable. This doesn't feel like you. Um, this doesn't feel like who you are. It doesn't feel like who you want to be. What are you afraid of? Don't be afraid. Um, 
gosh, what just came up for me there was, you know, I just, I spent so many years of my life caring so much more about what other people thought than about how I felt. And I've talked about that a lot here, the importance of caring about how you feel more than about what other people think, right? Um, And strangely enough, you know, you would think that um, removing alcohol from your life, if it was a complex relationship or was holding you back in any way, would be sort of a simple thing to, not simple, I don't want to say that at all. Quitting drinking for someone with a complex relationship with alcohol is anything but simple or easy. But I'm saying one might think that if drinking was not serving you, that you would want to care about how you feel and not about what other people think. Sure, you would think that, right? You would think that anything that's not serving you would be something that you would remove from your life, whether it's alcohol, whether it's relationship, whether um, it's a job, whether it's a business partnership. It's just not that easy, though. It's not as easy always as just saying, um, you know, you you are not adding anything positive to my life, so you are ejected. You know, I mean, I love the idea of that, but things come with feelings and consequences Even if they're positive consequences, ultimately it can come with a lot of pain initially. And um, I'm sure we all can relate to that on some level, right? Like we've all ended love relationships or had them ended with us. We've all ended friendships or had them ended with us. Um, We've all ended jobs or been laid off or let go, Um, whatever it is, right? We can all relate to this feeling that there's something good and positive um, that comes out of it in the end for you ultimately many, many times, most times. But the change, the transition, the removing of the thing that's causing you pain um, can feel very painful and very, very difficult. And I do think a big piece of that is is this world around us and how others view us and what other people think and what their opinions are. Well, what will my mom say? You know, what will my dad say if I leave my job? You know, what will my husband think if I want to start a new career? Or, um, you know, what will the world think if I end this relationship right before I get married? Or, How will people look at me if I admit that I've had a difficult relationship with alcohol? Any number of these things. I think if we all get quiet, we can tap into at least one thing where we have feared making a change, even though that we knew that it would make us feel good because we feared the way that other people would think of us and we have been conditioned in this culture, the way we've been brought up, raised, the way that we receive messaging in every way, we are taught to care about what others think of us rather than to care the most about how we feel. So what comes along with that is shame. We are also taught shame. We're taught to feel shame. Shame is something that holds us back. Um, To state the obvious, it's something that feels 
terrible. Um, it's not something that we just offer ourselves. It's something that uh, we can feel from our family, our friends, culturally, even if it's not stated directly to us, it's implied. I mean, I spent decades listening to people whisper about people's drinking. And I engaged in that too. I will raise my hand right there. You know, many, many times people who struggle with something like drinking will be the ones who are whispering about other people's drinking problems because you're always trying to find a way that you are not as bad as that person. You know, you're not drinking as much. You're not as much of a mess. Your life isn't in as much of turmoil. And that's a way that we shroud people in shame. And that's what allows other people to carry around shame. And I'm just going to talk about drinking So many things are coming up that we carry shame about, but I want to stay on this topic of sobriety here today and about the shame that we place on people who are self-identified alcoholics or who um, struggle with drinking. You know, I talk about it as my complex relationship with alcohol. We It's like we paint them in shame. There's got to be something wrong with that person. Why can't they handle their alcohol? Um, You know, why do they make such bad decisions? Why are they out of control? Why can't they just get themselves together? Um, You know, I'm not going to go into the science of this here today, but There is a huge component of this for many, 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 many people where it's a chemical dependency. Many, many people believe it's a disease. Um, Now, it's not a disease. Alcoholism is not a disease for everyone. There are a lot of people who um, have very difficult relationships with alcohol who... um, don't identify as having this disease. And what I want to say is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which way you identify, what you call yourself. It certainly doesn't matter for this conversation. What matters is if you know in your heart and soul that alcohol is holding you back in any way and not allowing you to live your life in a whole, fully expressed, meaningful way in the way that you want to, then it's not serving you. It's a relationship that needs to change. And I fully believe that the reason why so many people don't change their relationship with alcohol ever at all, or until it gets really, really bad, is that there's a deep shame that they feel about admitting that they have a problem with it. Um, And that is just really awful and sad. And that's fully a function of 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 the life we live and the culture we live in Um, and people whispering so and so has a drinking problem. So let's just have water at dinner because we don't want to talk about it. and We don't want to acknowledge what the problem is. But, you know, it's like it's like you can imagine old ladies whispering cancer or like old ladies who talk about. Um, someone who's black, like it's an illness, you know, 
And, and again, alcoholism is an illness, you know, um, or there, there can be an illness associated with many people who struggle with drinking, but I'm coming around to saying something important, which is that I have chosen to be very vocal about my removal of alcohol from my life, which began with my quote unquote sober curiosity two years ago, reading the book by Ruby Warrington two years ago called Sober Curiosity, which is what allowed me to make this change to um, identify it in my life as something I was curious about to begin it as an experiment. What would my life be like without alcohol? Let's Let's experiment for a week or two or three or a month and see what happens. And I've chosen to be vocal about it because there was this thing inside of me that knew, that just knew that if I was vocal about it, that I could set myself free. This is what's going to make me cry. Sorry. That I could and would set myself free. That if I gave words to this from the beginning, it would not be shrouded in shame. And that in so doing, I would give other women and other people the opportunity hopefully, to speak about it freely and openly without shame. And as the brilliant Brene Brown has said, when we put language around shame, it has no way of surviving. Because shame is only something that survives in silence. So my way of being open about this was to two years ago record this podcast that I secretly at once hoped that everyone would listen to and no one would listen to ever. And I recorded and I recorded and I told a few people here and there. And then I became more and more open about sharing it. And now I share with you and the universe that my biggest dream is to podcast full time and interview people. And I don't know that I've ever had a dream that felt so clear to me other than having children and a family as my dream of uh, continuing on this platform in service of others and of myself in service of our continued growth and healing and transformation and entertainment. Um, but so I started two years ago doing it out loud with this podcast, but also silently, if that makes sense, because I didn't know if anyone would listen. And then I got stronger and stronger about sharing things. And I have, as you know, experienced a tremendous transformation over the last two years in every way, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, because of my willingness to be open and set myself free and speak about what I'm going through and release it from shame. 
It doesn't mean that I didn't experience vulnerability or the famous vulnerability hangover or many of them, but I have been driven by this knowing, this deep knowing that in sharing my story, I was healing myself and hopefully helping others to heal. And so I come back now to this notion that my relationship with myself began two years ago. How could that be at 42 years old? I began drinking, I would say, fairly consistently, which then became very consistently, but began at 15 or 16. The first time I got really, really drunk was actually in seventh grade. Um, I was 12 or 13. And if that shocks you, it should. It's shocking. I truly hope that's not what my boys do. And we speak very openly about alcohol in my house for all the reasons you can imagine. Uh, my husband sells it for a living. You know, he's in the beverage business um, and I no longer drink it. And we, they know that. And we speak about it very openly. Um, and my biggest dream is that they don't sneak around the way I did, you know, that it'll be out on the table and we can have open conversations about trying it and all this stuff. Um, we'll see how that goes. That's another podcast. But the first time I came home drunk, I was 12 or 13 and no one addressed the issue. They put me to bed. Um, and there's a big problem there, you know, big problem there. Not talking with your 12 year old about coming home shit faced. There's no other word for it. <laughs> um, you know, and then that, that was just this weird night of like young girls experimenting, but I was the guinea pig. Like they were just giving me it all and I did it willingly. I have never been risk averse. I have always been a risk taker. I guess that was part of it. I've always been sort of performative. I mean, big surprise, like this is my stage, you know, um, you know, and wanting to like entertain people and that may have been part of it. Like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll drink it. But then later it became a way of fitting in, you know, kids were drinking in early high school and high school and I wanted to be cool. And that was a way to get social cred. And I did it, um, high school and then certainly college. And it just went from there. I'm not going to go year by year with you, but, um, when I was in high school and college in the nineties, that was social cred, you know, to party, to party, like the verb to drink, to smoke, to smoke pot, to sneak around, to hide. Um, for so many years I was playing along, you know? Um, and then I started really liking it and it gave me power because it gave me confidence. It was all that stuff you know about and hear about, about liquid personality and confidence. And it just helped me transform into someone I wasn't confident being on my own. And I looked 
at that stage at girls who didn't drink as boring or like nerds or losers or I mean I all these mean terrible things I mean yeah it's horrible to hear myself say that but I did like we thought they were nerds you know the ones who weren't doing it and God, I look at them now and I'm like, that sense of self they had, that they didn't want to do it. And so they didn't. Whether that meant that they were home on Friday nights watching movies with their girlfriends and not being at the big parties or whatever. God, good for them. For so many reasons, good for them. Now, listen, I had a lot of fun. We all had a lot of fun, you know, or... I think we did. You know, I saw me and my friends having a lot of fun at times. But there were also bad things that came of all this drinking. We got away with murder. I mean, thank God I can't speak about any drunk driving accidents or terrible sexual assaults or things that come with young people drinking too much and having no control. Um... But I put myself in many dangerous situations that I look back on now and I think, God, I got away with so much. I had angels on my shoulders. There's no doubt, you know, and this carried on into my life in New York City and being young and single and God, passing out in taxi cabs and them still getting me home. I mean... You know, as a mother, it just has me looking at things in such a different way. But also, as a grown woman, I look back on that girl and that young woman and I just like give her the biggest hug inside of myself and go, you're okay. Like you made it. You're safe. And that's how you felt you wanted to live then. And that's what you thought you had to do. And you made it through. But thank God we moved on. You know, that there was this voice inside of me that I chose to listen to. And so about the relationship with myself, there were just these years where I was covering up so many things about who I really was because in any free time that I had, I was drinking because I thought that that's what brought my true self out um, rather than masked these things, whether it was pain I was feeling or whether it was, you know, dreams I was fearful of going after or whether it was relationships or whatever it was, past, present, future stuff, I was masking it with alcohol, thinking that my becoming this fun, wild, sexy, pretty, you know, entertaining Whatever person that I was or perceived myself to be was the best version of myself. There was so long where I believed that to be true. And the thing is that once I was drinking so consistently for so many years, it didn't change in my late 20s. It was just that in my late 20s, I started thinking, wow, how long are we going to go on like this? You know, how long are we going to do this for? Like, I have a successful career. I want to have a family. You know, and then there were these years where I struggled with infertility, and that brought a lot of pain and shame of not being able to make babies. And um, my drinking was something I really relied on then to mask my pain. 
And then even when I had children, you know, I looked at my pregnancies like so many people do with difficult relationships with alcohol. I looked at my pregnancies as this respite from drinking and I was so happily pregnant and, you know, loved having a new baby and was careful about my drinking, but I would still binge and, you know, um, it just, it was consistent. It was consistent, you know, and then I just had two kids under two and was running a business and doing 25 events a year. There was no room to breathe, much less, um, work on my relationship with myself, really much less consider removing alcohol because again, the message I was, telling myself was that I needed it, but now I needed it because I was a mom and parenting was hard and mommy wine culture was out there saying, you can't live, survive, be a mom, be a human without guzzling wine to get through it. So I ultimately listened to this voice. I read that book. I started it as an experiment. I knew immediately how good it felt. I started talking about it first with my husband, my best friend, other friends, my secret podcast, which then I started sharing, you know, the social media. Then it started me down the road of really digging deep into what I wanted out of life. I had clarity for the first time. What I mean by setting myself free was that I was allowing myself to be who I was wholly, wholeheartedly, fully because I was myself 24-7. I was feeling my feelings all the time for the first time. I can remember, and I've said this here before, so many years where I was would say, I just can't imagine feeling my feelings all the time. How can people feel their feelings all the time? Like it's just too much. That's why we have to drink. God, what I know now for sure, and it's been amazing listening to other incredibly strong, vocal, sober people talk about this, including but not limited to people like Brene Brown, Dax Shepard, Rob Lowe, Demi Moore, Glennon Doyle, and so many others that sobriety allows you to feel your feelings all the time, which is not always easy, but that it is the human experience. It's what we're meant to do is to feel. You know, we're primarily feeling creatures and secondarily thinking creatures. We are meant to feel our feelings, not mask them, meditate, not meditate. See, I'm always meditating. We're meant to feel our feelings, not mask them, not medicate them, not bury them, and certainly not cover them in shame. You know, this life, this is this beautiful life that we're here to live, to live fully. This is this one life, right? And there is pain. There's no doubt there is pain. But where is there fulfillment and joy and contentment without the pain? 
And that's what I mean about my relationship with myself really beginning two years ago is that it was the first time since I was probably 18. So it was certainly my first time as an adult where I was living my life with such clarity and wholeheartedness and being fully who I was. And also in the beautiful words of Michelle Obama, becoming, you know, I was becoming. And yes, we can become in our 40s. What better time? You know, we're so much more ourselves in our 40s, so much more confident, you know, even if we haven't achieved all of our dreams or goals, there's so much behind us that we've learned and experienced. And yet there's still so much ahead of us, God willing, you know. Um, so my relationship with myself began when I removed what was holding me back and when I allowed myself to be whole and human and to feel fully and consistently, you know, to God feel all of the joy of being present, fully present for things, fully present for my marriage, fully present for my children. I think I've shared before that my children were the reason that I really ultimately decided to try getting rid of alcohol because I didn't want them to see and experience a mom who was masking her feelings and also becoming someone unrecognizable to them who they might fear. That's how it started. And of course, it is remains one of the biggest reasons why remaining sober is important to me. But what I was so surprised by was the many gifts it would give me. Um, the gifts of clarity, the gifts of wholeheartedness, the gifts of fully fully living my life. It's like seeing colors more brightly and hearing sounds more clearly and my vision just, I don't know, opening up. Even though I'm 44 and my vision is failing, it's like <sighs> being with myself fully every day, the ups and the downs, that is the gift. That is the gift is of coming back home to myself, to being fully aware and um, fully alive and knowing that I've chosen that for myself out of a deep care for my children and family, of course, but ultimately out of a deep, deep caring and deep love for myself and a tremendous feeling of self-worth that I'm worthy of living a life that's clear and whole, that I'm worthy of showing all of myself, sharing all of myself and that being okay, that being who I am is exactly who I ought to be not who I am when I wear different 
masks or become a different person. That I only need to be myself. We only need to be ourselves. That is exactly who we are meant to be. We are meant to live our lives, right? No one else can live the life that's meant for us. And we don't need to try and be someone else or be like someone else. Um, Just this deep connection with myself and now this deep connection that I feel with others because I was willing and am willing to live this way, you know, to choose every day to feel my feelings and not to drink them away when they're hard. Um, and it means everything to me. It means everything to me. I don't think so much about what if I drink again or am I going to drink again or, or um, you know, this is such a long road or this is so hard or how am I going to continue going on like this? For me, and again, I never want to say that um, not drinking is easy or simple for someone like me who had a complex relationship with alcohol and still does. But for me, the way that I feel is truly that I've had enough drinks for two lifetimes and that it is simply something I don't do anymore. And the other way that I think about it, and of course, I'm so focused on mindset and really consider myself a mindset coach for women primarily is that I don't think about it as something that I don't get to do or that I no longer get to do. I think about it as something I get to do. I get to not drink. I get to live my life with clarity. I get to live my life wholeheartedly. I get to live my life with good health and wholeness and with strength and intention and with a wonderful, powerful, hard-fought, beautiful relationship with myself. I get to do these things. These are positive things. I choose to do these things. And you know, with this word that I love, that I will repeat over and over till the end of time with willingness. I am willing to live this way. And the rewards are so many and so magical um, and just worth all of it. And it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, another reason why I'm so proud to sit here today and record this is not just about not drinking for two years, but about the consistency of that, about the consistency of showing up for myself and choosing it every day, and about the consistency of recording this podcast consistently for two years when it was a dream I had to start a podcast and I did it and I've done it consistently, about the consistency 
of choosing how I wanted to move forward with my life with coaching and choosing that every day and choosing to be vulnerable every day in the service of others healing and in the service of my own healing and that you know at 16 years old my dream was to have a talk show and that we live in this time where there are these opportunities for anyone to do what they want to do i mean it's really amazing if you think about it the way people are coming becoming famous by putting a one video on youtube or someone becoming a famous recording artist by putting one song on soundcloud or whatever it is and while fame is not what i seek I think it's so incredible that I have this platform where if I want to have a talk show, I can sit here and record and hope that people listen and reach people in the way that I have always wanted to when I would, you know, come home from school every day and turn on Oprah and be impacted by those messages. Um, This is a gift that we have of this time and a gift that I have by being able to do this but it all comes down to willingness and we have to be willing to do for ourselves what that voice is telling us to do inside of ourselves. What's scratching at us and clawing at us and whispering and sometimes shouting in our ears. There's more for you. There's so much more for you, you know, whatever that is. If you're willing to listen, and I'm so grateful that I was, and I'm so grateful for all the people who support me in this process, you know, I've mentioned Courtney's name so much that I'll keep mentioning it. I don't, you know, want to give a laundry list of names, but you know who you are when you're on the phone with me a lot, laughing and talking and processing life or even if you're not on the phone with me a lot, but you know that there's that heart connection. I'm so grateful for you and for my husband and for my children for loving me exactly as I am long before my sobriety started. Just loving me and holding me no matter what. And I know that I showed up for people before all of this. And I know that's why I already had such a beautiful life. But I'm so thankful for the ways I'm able to show up for people now. Um, As I celebrate these two years and move into the third year and many, many more. (sighs) I feel like I need to have an ugly cry, y'all. I may have to do that alone in the car. Um... I really just feel such deep gratitude. I begin and end my day with gratitude, as I know so many of you do too. And if you don't, now's a great time to start because it really is a game changer. But I feel such deep, deep gratitude for my alcohol-free life, for my life in general, for my health, my beautiful children, my wonderful, supportive, amazing husband. Um, And I'm truly so grateful for myself um, and for showing up for myself. And I I want you to feel that way, too. I hope you already do. But just know that um, you're not too old and it's not too late. 
whatever that thing is for you, you're not too old and it's never too late. So I celebrate this with you and I thank you for being here and for listening, really. And um, episodes like this about sobriety, I think can be so helpful to others. So I ask you humbly to share it with anyone you think it might help. Um, And I just send you big hugs and I'll be back here with you again soon. Thank you for listening. Have a great day and take some time for yourself, as I always say. Bye.